Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, Executive Pastor of Transformation Church. With me again today, our lead pastor, Brad Livingston. Hey guys, good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, man, wrapping up the Thought Attack series Yep, um, and ending it in kind of a big way. We, we actually, on paper, had originally planned to end the Thought Attack series uh, last the week, Sunday before, um, but with the kind of the way we were ending it, you know, we came out of anxiety and we, we hit anxiety, doubt, anxiety, and depression, kind of all back to back to back. I thought it was important that we put something in there because we talked about a lot of the things we deal with, but I thought it was important that we bring to light the reason that we overcome them because the reason that we overcome them isn't because we read our Bible more. It's not that we sing more. It's not that we pray more. Um, I think all those things are great, but those aren't the, those aren't the thing that's going to lead us to a um, to overcoming them in all reality. Uh, it's dealing, number one, dealing with some of the things in our past in regards to our father, because a lot of what we go through in regards to doubt, anxiety, depression, and then all of that derives from a lack of identity, adoration, and affirmation. And those are the three pillars that fatherhood is built on. So if identification, adoration, and affirmation, um, if those three things are the pillars that fatherhood is built on, but consequently those three things are also the three things that can help lead to uh, doubt, anxiety, and depression, then there's an obvious connection between fatherhood and thought attacks. And so we really, uh, we kind of wanted to bring it full circle and and talk about father issues um, on this last week. And so we added one more week. So we made it a six-part series and added one more week. Um, and so we dealt with father issues on Sunday. And yep. felt like it was pretty good. What did you think, Justin? Pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Now, you – so – and I think you – I love your perspective on this. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, no. I love your perspective on this because you do – You we, we've talked before about you believe your parents did an exceptional job parenting you. Yeah. But your parents also got divorced. Oh, yeah. Right? And what, what at what age was all that? I was like in fifth grade, so I was fairly young. So around nine or ten then. Yeah, yeah. About ten. Ten, I guess. So, um, you know, so in that, now granted, um, you know, in your words, they they perfectly parented you. They did. They (laughs) They did. They were great parents. Um, I don't think they would think that, but I did. Sure. I don't think they realized they were parenting as good as they were. Right. And so uh, with that, in in this conversation of fatherhood, um, I do think that you have both a unique perspective um, of being able to communicate what life was like in some arenas, your father not being present. Um, Not that he was absent, but that he because of the relationship, you know, because there, there, there are a lot of people that use the excuse, well, my parents got divorced when they were younger, so we were never at the dinner table together, my teen year, blah, blah, you know, like yeah. the whole thing. And for some people, that's a very big reality. I totally get it. And I'm not trying to take anything away from that. What I'm saying is for people that go through that type of, um, those types of, we'll use the word trauma, because as a child, your parents getting a divorce could very well be traumatic. So as so if we're going to use that phrase use the word trauma going through that as a child, I think at some point you either have to forgive whatever the trauma was and start to move into a place that you desire to be better rather than bitter. Um and so in becoming better uh rather than bitter you move beyond the hurt and I'm not saying you forget about the hurt. I'm not saying it goes away. I'm saying you at some point have to decide I'm not going to continue to allow this to shape me the way it has shaped me in the past. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But I think, you, I think the parents play a humongous role, obviously right, in, right, right. in that, you know, I, I remember the, I remember the day that my dad 
was the one who told me and my brother they were like, separating and getting divorced. Right on. You know, it was like summertime. We were on the way to my – he was taking us to his sister, my aunt's house, where my cousins were. You know, we like used to go up there and swim and stuff, you know. And I remember him telling us in the in the truck on the way. You know, of course, we were upset, me and my brother, and like almost, almost like – I don't know. I don't want to you know if I used the word devastated, but we were upset, you know. Sure. And then it was like – after that, I don't ever remember – I don't remember ever it affecting me negatively. I think my parents did a good job of explaining that it was. And I think that's what most kids a lot of times think is like, we did something wrong. Right. You know, it's right. our fault, mom and dad, you know, and they just did a good job of it's, it has nothing to do with me and my brother. Like we didn't do anything wrong. They're not mad at us. Like we didn't cause this. They just did a good job at that, you know? Um, and then from then on, everything they did was fantastic like never never a court in court never none of that i mean right, right, right. it was fully 50 50 you know it wasn't just my mom and then my dad got us like it was full 50 50 custody and a lot of it had to do i think with the schedule you know my dad worked worked for the he was a fireman for the city of pensacola and you know so he when he worked he worked a 24-hour shift and then he was two days off you know so and then you know he got hurt and had and retired on disability and all that and so i mean my dad's been retired since i was 11 Oh wow! Yeah, my dad's been retired since like '96 or something. Wow, I was like okay. 11 years old. Uh, he hurt his back at work, you know. So because of that, I think that helped with the relationship as far as him being there. You know, my mom worked a regular job, and he's the one picked us up from school or was there when we got off the bus from school. Even the nights that my mom got us, we rode the bus home to my dad's house. Cause that's where we lived, you know. And then after you know five o'clock, once my mom got home, he would take us to her house. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right, so it was like right, he right. was. We saw him. A lot, you know, um, and just every summer, you know, even the days we stayed at my mom's, we'd wake up the next morning. She has gone to work. You know, we'd get up and kind of do our thing, eat cereal, watch some TV. And then, you know, by like nine o'clock, dad was picking us up and we were going back to his house right, or, right, or right, going right. and doing something, you know. So um, part of it, I think well, the schedule helped him being retired. But, uh, yeah, he was they were there was both always there. Yeah. Yeah. And because I, I think that, you know, I, th- I, I think at some point, you know, for many of us. Or for many people, I won't even say us, you know, I, my dad was in the house all the time, you know, so he was, he was always home. Um, and, uh, we, you know, even getting into this list, the five types of fathers, you know, that we'll get into in just a second. I, I, I would, I would say looking back and my father would agree, or my father would say, and I would agree, however you want to put the spin on that, that we went through a season where my dad was either absent or absent-minded. Um, a lot of that had more to do with, um, you know, Pastor Dan, my dad, is he's an all-in kind of dude. Like, yeah. he puts 100% of whatever he has in. Um, and, you know, how do you juggle? How does a father, particularly a young father, particularly a young, ambitious father, and then you add on that that their ambitions are godly. So a young, ambitious father whose ambitions are to grow the kingdom of God, uh, the word balance doesn't really exist in that spectrum, in that space. So for a good chunk of our childhood, you know, my dad was traveling the world, preaching on other, on other continents, you know, in these churches and leading, you know, crusades and conferences and, and all those things, uh, all for good reason, uh, I would say for somewhere between me being six or seven years old and me being about 11, maybe 10, there was a space there where he was just, just wasn't there as much. Now I don't fault him for that. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I'm, I just acknowledge yeah. that that was what it was, you know? Now, um, what I will say is, his presence in my life picked up, you know, around 11, um, in a, in a greater way. He was never gone. I knew who my dad was. I never wondered, is he coming home? My parents did a great job communicating. He's in Africa right now, or he's, so I didn't ever like wonder. I always knew where he was. Um, we both, myself, my dad, and, and even my mom, my sister, like that, you know, all of us that were, uh, you know, experiencing that we kind of recognize all at the same time, like, uh, that at some point this is kind of unhealthy for us as a family. However, my mom was, you know, my mom's the captain of fun, you know, so she's taking us to the movies. We're going out to eat, we, you know, we're just always doing something. So it, just, it was never, you know, it, it was never a trauma for my dad to be doing what he loved doing. 
it did become glaringly obvious though. And when I'm getting all that to say into my teen years, about 13, 14, when I really started to become a rebel and I didn't want anything to do with church and ministry. And there's a number of reasons why that is the case, but none of them really matter for this podcast. Um, when I kind of got to the point that I didn't want anything to do with ministry at the same time, circumstances in our life brought him roaring back in as a father where he was there all the time. Um, that, I kind of didn't know what to do with that because you kind of had gotten used to what life looks like, you know, not that way. And then he comes back. And uh, so there was just a number of things that were unique in that. Um, the the kind of bringing that story full circle is to say that I can see how a father not being present during certain conversations and times in your life can create a certain picture in certain people's minds. Um, and so what we did is we listed off five different types of fathers and, uh, and through them, as we name each one, what we're going to kind of do is, is paint the possibility of a picture that you could view God through or a lens. So each one of these, uh, types of fathers could help create a lens that you may see God through because of the way you're, so how your earthly father was in many cases, changes your perception and the perspective of how you see God, our heavenly father. And that was really kind of the beginning of what we talked about on Sunday, you know, is how, like how that shape happens. Um, so Justin, let's go through these five types of fathers. Yeah. Yeah. First is the absent father, the absent father. Now, um, like I said, I, I didn't really deal with this much. He, in other words, when we say absent father, we're really talking about like absent not present. You know, I have a couple spiritual sons whose fathers were never in the picture. I have one who's a spiritual son whose the father was never in the picture. Then he popped up, but then he left again. Um, and those, those fathers are truly absent. It's not, Oh, he's just away on work a lot. They're truly absent. Right. I got no use for that. (laughs) Right. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I got no, no use for that. Yeah. It's one thing to have a job that takes you away. Like all that sure. is all understandable. But if you have kids and you intentionally and, and, and you choose not to like scumbag. Yeah. Like I got no use for that. Yeah. I have personal opinions that I'll leave off of this podcast yeah. as to what they should do with people like that. But <laughs> I mean, nonetheless. They, they need, they need an encounter with Jesus serious uh, yeah. because that is just unacceptable. On or so a Louisville slugger. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's just com- complete agree. scumbag. Yeah, so there's there's the absent father. Now, with the absent father, and you've been in student ministry some, like you can probably attest to a few of the things that I talked about Sunday and some of this that we'll get into. Oh, yeah. But the absent father, so for a lot of young people, and I say young, I'm probably going to put millennials in there because I think millennials was the first generation, and millennials are what age bracket? Well, they're, they're, you know, depend upon who you ask, but the oldest millennials are 35, 38. 35 to 38. All yeah. right. So for those of you that are older than millennials, don't think millennials mean 16 to 22. That's oh, not a millennial. Yeah, yeah. That's not a millennial. That's a Gen Z. Z. So, uh, so we're talking about millennials. So we're talking about all the way up to like 35, 38 years old. And yeah. some people would run it into 40, I yeah, think. But. Just, just for the sake, you know, let's say 1980 to 2000. Okay. Born, born 80 to 2000 is a millennial. Two, 2000 and early, you know, later is, is later. So, so to help create perspective on that, what I see a lot of in millennials, because I think the generation before millennials did a little bit better than than at this than uh, the generation before us did, um, is that we see a lot of times in millennials and in young people is they their how they believe or what they believe about God and His presence in our life and even how He should affect our decision making directly correlates with how their their earthly father's presence was in their life and how He affected their decision making. So when there is an absent earthly father, many times you will find a pushback against the idea of a deity or a heaven or the heavenly father we know as God. There's a pushback to that because they can't understand because their earthly father was absent, they they automatically by default think of a spiritual father as absent as well. And even if they do think that the deity of God exists, so a God or the big man on the throne, their ability to perceive and connect with him as a father doesn't exist, which is why you'll see people overly religious. They're saved and they believe that, you know, they believe what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, they're, they're bought in. 
but they constantly battle this idea that God doesn't love them because they constantly battle it from the perspective that when an absent earthly father changes how they perceive their heavenly father. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we have the absent father, which shifts the thinking of many believers, particularly younger believers. But I think this is rampant in every age. I don't sure. think this is like age specific here. Um, so we have absent father. Then what do we got, Justin? We got absent minded. Absent minded father. It's a and little bit different. A little bit different. So they're there, but they ain't there. They're there, but they ain't there, right? They're at the dinner table, but their mind is somewhere else. They're on the phone. Right. They're on their phone. Well, or, and nowadays, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about when we were kids, that wasn't even like a, a thing. thing. You know, like that was dial up internet, you know, like yeah. now, you know, the internet's at our fingertips and it's just different. Um, and it would actually reminded me, remember that study we were talking about the other day about words, we were talking about yeah. word and how, uh, obviously, uh, kids who are completely like that are way under the wealth, um, line, you know, the poverty line, sorry, that are way under the poverty line. They're at a drastic disadvantage, um, in their development and all those things. But they were saying one of the most underdeveloped, uh, people groups that in children right now, do you remember what they were talking about? They were talking about, it was wealthy. Yeah. There, it was wealthy white children. So families that belong to wealthy white families are some of the most underdeveloped kids, uh, of the generation and they people were going why is that the case why is that the case and they finally narrowed down to the fact that moms Mm -hmm. in that genre or moms in that demographic are so busy with instagram and facebook and twitter and snapchat and all of these uh, social media outlets they're not talking to their kids like you know, they're, they're not communicating with them. They're not teaching them words. They're not reading books to them. They're so self-absorbed with their own profile that they're not developing their children. Even, even not, even if that's the case or not the case, but because kids spend time, you know, even with like, you know, on a, on a tablet or an iPad or something, you know, there's just just less work. There's less vocabulary they're being exposed to. Right. Exactly. And they were talking about the difference, the power in a person talking to a child versus a person on a screen talking to a child. Um, so they were just talking about the difference in that, but all that to say, when you start talking about an absent minded father, it's getting worse and worse because there's more distractions for the father. So even if the father is present, you know, if he's on his Instagram or on his Facebook, or he's thinking about his career, or he's thinking about, you know, his job, or he's thinking, well, you know, whatever, fill the, fill the gap. Right. The absent minded father's mind is somewhere other than where it should be when they're with their kids. Um, and so because of that, that paints a picture. So we think of God as being present, but not there, you know, so God is with me but I don't know that he's carrying me. God is around. I think that he's omnipresent. I think that he's everywhere all at the same time, but I don't know that he's thinking about me, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and so how our earthly father uh, has raised us or not raised us or been absent minded or whatever shapes again, how we view God. So there's the absent minded father and how it shapes, um, shapes our view of God. So then number three, Yep, the abusive father. Abusive father. And Sunday, I didn't really want to get into the weeds on this on Sunday because there's just so much. I mean, there's mental abuse, there's physical abuse, there's sexual abuse, there's uh, verbal abuse. There, you know, there, there's just mm. tons of these. Um, but obviously, I mean, you think to yourself for a second, if someone experienced an abuse from their father, how would they think God views them? You know, like God's waiting to smite them. God's waiting to hit them. God's waiting for them to screw up. God's waiting, you know, um, he's not a graceful God. He's this vengeful God, um, which I believe that God is vengeful and full of wrath. What Jesus did on the cross you know, absorbed that for us to receive, receive grace. But it's, it's this idea that, man, that God is just waiting for us to screw up, you know, um, <laughs> like sitting, he's, he's the kid on the anthill. 
with a magnifying, magnifying glass. glass. <laughs> right. To quote Bruce Almighty. Yep. Right. So, yep. so there's this idea. I watched that, that last night. Oh, did you? Yeah. So he's, uh, so he's, yeah, we've got this idea of an abusive father. <clears throat> and obviously that changes how we see God. And then number four, there's the average father. Yeah. Um, uh, the average father just kind of, you know, it wasn't terrible. He was there, you know, um, I think, the average father is where most people would put their father. Um, and then lastly, the awesome father, the awesome father. And I think, you know, with the awesome father, you know, he's, he was there, he was present. He helped raise, he developed, you know, he invested. And those are the, those are things that I think about with a father, like a father, he develops, he invests, you know, um, he creates or duplicates, he, you know, especially in young men, you know, teaching them honor and integrity and respect. And, but even in young women, teaching them to, to, uh, to treat themselves with honor, integrity, and respect so that everyone else has to treat them that way too. You know I mean? There's so mm-hmm. many, so many things that come into play there, but I've, but I know that failures by our natural father created a broken identity in our minds and in our thoughts. So since failures by our natural father create this broken identity, um, it, it's references how we feel about ourselves and is connected to how we perceive that God or our father, our heavenly father feels about us. So if the, if our earthly father felt a certain way about us, that's how we believe we should be treated. And since it's how we believe we should be treated, we believe that God treats us that way too. And it's one of those things where you kind of have to overcome the hurdle that it doesn't matter how your earthly father treated you and even how you believe you should be treated, how God wants to treat you and how God does treat you doesn't change based on your perspective. Like God is looking for that opportunity to love you as a heavenly father, no matter what. The flip side to that is that failures by our heavenly father in our eyes have broken our identity in minds, in our minds and thoughts of how God feels about us and how we feel about ourselves because of the lies we believe about how God feels about us. Our circumstances and his lack of intervention or allowing things to happen uh, cause us to feel that God doesn't care, that he doesn't love us, and therefore we don't feel that we deserve love and care and all those things. Um, and, and for many people, like I want to let you guys know, the listeners that are out there, man, how God did or did not intervene into your circumstances does not dictate his love for you. Um, you know, we talked about a Sunday, like, man, how many times do, do we look for God to have done something different in our life than he did? But it's because we believe we know better for ourselves than God does. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like Tim Keller said, we talked about last week, like we are underqualified for the job of master and commander of our own life, you know? Um, so man, he's a heavenly father that loves us. John three, one, uh, says, it says, uh, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So we're children of God, you know, and uh, John 3 makes that clear. Matthew six twenty six. Justin, what does that one say? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Yeah. In other words, God takes care of them. God loves them enough to make sure they're taken care of. Like, right. but then they don't do anything. Yeah. But you do, and God loves you, and he wants to take care of you. John 1, 12, this is in the Living Bible paraphrasing. Uh, go ahead. But to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they needed to do was to trust him to save them. So we have, again, like the Bible talking about children of God, and it would have taken me all Sunday morning to read all the scriptures where it talks about God as a father or us as children. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah that we didn't, there's so much in that. But yeah. I believe there's family benefits, and that's kind of what we talked about Sunday, is that there's benefits in belonging to the family and being becoming a, a child of God. Um, and so it, with these family benefits, um, we find, number one... We find strength in your surrender. Strength in your surrender. So as we find ourselves uh, coming to the Lord, and, and even what we were just talking about, uh, coming to the Lord and, and for many of us, we have suggestions or thing, ways we wish things were different or, you know, God, if you could just do this, then whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, in reality, because he's a heavenly father, because he loves us, because he wants good things for us, because he wants to take care of us, because of all of those things, you can have confidence that there is strength in surrendering to the one that loves you. Yeah. 
you know, I think about my dad and, and, uh, I don't know, Justin, maybe you can relate to this, but I think about my dad and, and, uh, even all the times in life where I was in dangerous situations where it was abundantly clear, he was thinking of me before he was thinking of himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember one time I was jumping, we were playing when I was, when I was younger, we were, we would go down fishing by this lake. And, um, uh, and so I, I ended up like, this is like a gross, like, like covered with like algae, like one of those, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I remember, I, I don't, I don't remember how, but I remember falling in, I fall into this lake and, uh, you know, there's snakes in this lake, there's alligator, like yeah. it's pretty gross, you know? Um, and I fall into this lake and I remember looking out of the water and all of a sudden, like my dad just comes splashing into the water, grabs me, pulls me out, walks up the ladder with me, puts me back on the dock. And we didn't live far. We drive home and, you know, everything was good. But I just, looking back on it, like, I don't know if he knew what was in that lake in regards to rocks or whatever, but he just jumped, like, I fall into the lake. There's no hesitation on his part. Like, if, yeah. he, if he was going to get hurt, he was going to get hurt, but he was still going to save me. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that there's that, that same thing exists in our relationship with the Lord. I don't know if your dad, I don't know if you ever like experienced anything like that where he just kind of jumped in and saved you. Oh, for real. Seriously. (laughs) We, uh, we had a boat. We had like a little bay liner boat. Like a bay, you know, we lived on Perito Bay. So we had like this little bay boat type thing, like a bay liner. And, uh, we were going to go out in the Gulf one day and you know, it gets pretty rough in the pass, you know, going out into the Gulf. We were in the Perito pass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, It gets mm -hmm. rough in there. And we had this little boat. It was me, my mom, my dad, and my little brother. And um, the waves were just, it, it got big. And we somehow, oh, oh, I remember we had the, the, the boat always, uh, we had problems with it. So the it died in the pass and he couldn't get it restarted. So then it kind of turns sideways with the waves. And like he thought it was going to capsize. He jumps in and he's, in the water, but he's st- holding the boat facing into the waves so it doesn't capsize us. Oh, wow. With, my, with his wife and, you know, like me and my brother were probably like four and five or five and six, something wow. like that. Like okay. we were little. You know, was, I'm sure they were freaking out. So he had to jump into the water just to keep the boat pointed in the right direction or else we would have been capsized in the in the, in the the past there. And, uh, yeah, a, another boat saw us and, like, came and helped and towed us to the – towed us. Yeah. yeah towed us out. But – um. Like I remember that. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, he, he, you, you know, you jump in, you just do what you got to do. Right, and that's why it's like fatherly instincts, you know. Yeah, and that's why I say, like, man, the, the, here we have a heavenly father that loves us more than our earthly father ever could, and great fathers. Now I get some of you out there didn't have great fathers. I, like that, that is not the case for everyone. And and Justin and I are extremely blessed. But we've, you know, I was in student ministry for six years, and Justin was in student ministry for quite a while, like we have ministered to and worked with kids and, and been a part of a lot of young people's lives that that was not the case, you know? Uh, and because of that, um, you know, we, we understand and have the conversations often about how, how father, I mean, so that's, but that's what our earthly father, I mean, that's what our heavenly father is looking to do. Yeah. You know, he's, he's in our surrender in our surrender, our weakness actually allows him and enables him to execute his strength. And as a matter of fact, that's what Second Corinthians uh, 12, 8 through 11 says. Why don't you read that for us, Justin? Yeah, God said, I am with you, and that is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I am glad to boast about how weak I am. I am glad to be living, a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. Right. And so he's, you know, and this is the, again, this is the living Bible. So it's kind of a paraphrase of, you know, Paul talking here, but then he goes on to say, since I know it is all for Christ's good, I'm quite happy about the thorn or his failures or his struggle and about insults, hardships, uh, persecutions, and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. So God's power, like Justin said, shows up in weak people, shows up best in weak people. Because in our weaknesses, that's where God's strength really shines. Um, so the thing is, is we have to be ready to surrender to what God is doing in our life. Uh, because, and I put this quote down, says, when we hold God to our standard of what's right and wrong, we give the enemy permission to feed us the lie that God was never for us to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but the Bible is abundantly clear that he's for us, not against us. 
right? And so our Heavenly Father, why is he for us? Because he is, in fact, our Father. So then number two takes us to... There is freedom and forgiveness. Freedom and forgiveness. And so in our forgiveness and our confession, we move through our relationships and we deal with, you know, how we how we interact with others. It's huge to remember that there's freedom or forgiveness. And that's why I love small groups because I think small groups are healthy in a number of ways. But one of the ways that they're, they're super helpful and very healthy uh, is perspective and understanding and moving through forgiveness and having conversations about how we got to work through what we're going through and, and, you know, just all those things. But um, there's two different kind of channels that we talked about Sunday that we want to forgive people in. The first one is forgiving others. Yep. Forgiving others. Now, Justin, you don't, you never harbor bitterness ever, do you? <laughs> Listen, I know we're like we're laughing, but the truth is I really don't. Lately, I have been with a situation sure, we're experiencing. Sure, certain situations. Um, yeah, but but that's not an accurate representation of me as a whole. Sure. Um, I tend to be pretty forgiving. Right. Um, in that situation, it's just, yeah. But I, I know that what's funny is I know why you're a pretty forgiving person. Um, and it's not, it, I, honestly, I think, and I think it's the same reason, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the same reason that I am, which is I don't have the capacity to deal with other people and not forgiving. In other words, like I am so focused on where I'm going and becoming what I like and becoming great and becoming the person I want to become and doing all the things that I feel like I'm supposed to do. I'm not going to be held back in my own mind by not forgiving someone. Like, yeah. I'm just so quick to move on. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Because you know, all those cliches about forgiveness are, are true. And it's just not like the whole, the whole concept of, you know, it's like setting yourself on fire and expecting them to die of smoke inhalation. Like, yeah. Like forgiveness, you know, it's drinking the poison and expecting them to die. All these little cliche statements about forgiveness is like, that's true. And I'm just, I don't have the, you know, because most of the people that you need to forgive in your life aren't in your life. <laughs> right, necessarily. Right, right. A lot of times it's like, it's a past. They're in your mind. You know, it's, an, it's, your a, it's an ex-spouse or, you know, or, or whatever. They may not like be actively in your life every day, but you're still holding on to these things from years ago. It's like, I'm just not interested. Right. I'm not interested in, in that. Like, I got, and that's what I mean. Like I got someone to do. I've got somewhere to be. I've not like, yeah. I mean like metaphorically, I've got somewhere to be. If I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to become this, and yeah. even not forgiving you is holding me back from that. Yeah, and then on another level, it's like I uh, – how do I say this? Sometimes I think there's there's been things that I could maybe – there would be a reason to, to have some unforgiveness in a sense. But I also, zooming out and looking at a bigger picture, I understand – what's gone on in that person's life that's led that led them to make the decisions or the the actions that they did that would hurt me that would cause me to need to forgive them i also understand that they because of their issues or past or whatever caused them to do that so it's like i forgive because maybe they're dealing with stuff too and that's not had they been fully right mind fully whole themselves fully not with hurt or past issues i don't believe that person would have said or acted what they said or did right so i forgive because they have issues too which is what caused them to do that does that make any sense absolutely so it's like uh, you hurt know people hurt people right so it's like it's it's kind of zooming out and getting beyond the person mm-hmm. you know like it's yeah, I I don't believe the person is really evil or this. It's they have their own crap that they never dealt with, and they said something or did something that that was wrong or even hurtful or what whatever. And I forgive that because you only got there because of your issues, and and I hope you figure that out, right. you know, for right. your benefit. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm not. I don't really harbor harbor things. I just got like it's not, it's not worth it, you know. Like, and there's no greater. There's no greater revenge, for lack of a better word, than moving on and being, you know, like, especially if someone, especially if they know they did you wrong. Right. But a lot of times they don't even think, a lot of times the people you need to forgive, they don't realize what they did hurt you so bad. Sure. They're not even aware. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, so, but, but sometimes it is, you know, so like there's no greater, you know, metaphorical revenge than to you being good, no matter what they said or what they did, you're still okay. Right. You know, and, and you're proving them wrong almost, you know. Well, I so. think that's a huge, I think that's a, a huge thing for us to grasp. Even in that, it's like, you're okay. Like, 
no, the fact that you're, the fact that we're here, you know, so listener out there that, you know, maybe your father really hurt you, maybe abusive situation or, or just all of the above. Maybe they were mentally abusive. Like at some point you've got to make the call to pick yourself up. At some point you've got to make the call to forgive that person. I didn't say forget, but you gotta, you've got to relinquish the desire for revenge and you've got to move into a place where you're, you, you're forgiving them, but not for them. You're forgiving them for you. Mm-hmm. You deserve to be free from the person that hurts you. It's not a matter of freeing them for, for them. It's not a matter. You're not letting them off the hook. In all reality, they're not on the hook now. The only thing, the only place they're on the hook is in your own mind. Therefore, you're, you are tying yourself to the person that you won't forgive, but they are not tied to you in their mind. And you deserve to be free. And so, man, we got to forgive, but we're forgiving because we need to let go. We need to move beyond the hurt. Uh, But again, not for them. You deserve to be free. And so, yeah, I I agree, Justin. I think some of those cliches are just kind of like, yeah, I mean, they're kind of true. At the end of the day, the reality is, and the main reason we need to forgive people, though, is because, let's be honest, the way life goes right now and how quickly it moves, none of us have the capacity to maintain and hold on to unforgiveness. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, that means there's an area of your life where you could be great and you're settling for good enough because there's not enough mental capacity to hold on to unforgiveness and be great. Mm-mm. And you deserve to be great. Like you deserve to strive for something. You deserve for greatness to in some area of your life. Maybe it's coaching that little league football team. Maybe it's being a husband to your wife, or maybe it's being a mother to your children, or whatever it is. You de- maybe it's being a nurse. Maybe it's being a teacher. You deserve to be great in some area of your life. You've worked for it. You've gotten to a certain place, and and you're giving it all you got. The difference between you being just good enough and being great could be the amount of attention and detail and all of that that you're still holding on to unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else. Mm-hmm. And you need to let it go. Let it go. Matthew six fourteen fifteen, as Justin sings to us a song from Frozen. <laughs> For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. So... So there's forgiving others, and then there is forgiving forgiving God, God, and uh, you know it almost sounds kind of sacrilegious to talk about forgiving God, um, but I think those of us that have experienced true trauma and deep pains, um, if we're honest with ourselves, we hold God uh, responsible for that trauma and that pain, and since if, God's sovereign, isn't he? <laughs> since God's sovereign. Um, and we'll say he's in control of all things. Now, him being in control may very well mean him allowing. So it's not always that God causes, but him being in control, I believe that he allows, um, you know, and there's scripture for that. Do you know the story of Job is a prime example um, of not necessarily him causing, but him allowing a lot of situations that Paul found himself in. It was pretty clear that. You know, I wouldn't say that God calls, but I definitely would say he allowed. And so I think there's plenty of scripture to support uh, that God allows certain things, even though he may not cause them. Because the enemy, otherwise the Bible wouldn't have told us that the enemy's roaring around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Right. So all that to say is we have to at some point forgive God. And, um, you know, maybe just like we talked about Sunday, like maybe you lost someone, you know, um, maybe you lost someone that was close to you. Maybe you lost a family member, even, you know, like my, my particular case, a son or a daughter. Maybe for some of you, you lost a mother or a father. You felt like it was far too young or a brother or a sister, grandparents or whatever. And, and I, I don't mean to sound callous when I say this. And I think anyone that's listened to us before, I mean, you understand my pain navigating the loss of my own son, but, um, you know, loss is a part of life people moving on from this world is a part of life. The however to that is when they're far too young, um, I think that that's when it becomes difficult. In other words, a lot of times when I talk to friends of mine whose grandparents are, you, get, you know, we're getting older. You know, we're both, uh, you're, you're 33, I'm 31. So our friends' grandparents are starting to get into that 80 90 range for some of them and they're passing on yeah mine, I don't, mine have within the last couple of years right all, right right all yeah. in their 80s that's right that's right uh your grandfather was just last year right 
Yeah, issue? I got okay. one grandparent left, but okay. yeah, he's almost 90, but the rest were all in their 80s, yeah. Yeah, so all that to say, I rarely show up to one of those funerals or viewings. You know, we go, we console the family, and we're sorry for the loss, and usually we send flowers or whatever for people that are on our dream team and stuff like that. When we do that, it's rare to run into someone and say, I feel like God took him far too soon. It's like they were 88, like they lived a good life. <laughs> you know, right. like, rare, I mean, it's sad, but rarely are people like, even hysterical shocked yeah like, i mean you like, know, like yeah. 80, you know you, you people may cry pass. yeah you may cry because you miss them right right, right. Or they were you know but no one's surprised when someone's 85 or 88 it passes away right like, exactly you, you, and that, you know. that's my point yeah. so i'm not trying to sound callous no no, no i know what, you what mean. i'm saying is when you know when grandparents or even aunts and uncles you know as they get older and just some of those things like that doesn't really shock us because that's just part of life like yeah here we are you know because of sin in the garden death is a part of who like this isn't our eternal resting place now because sin exists in the world so God had to restore an eternal world, blah, 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 eschatology. But all that to say, because loss is a part of life, we don't get shocked at it. When we get hurt, though, is, you know, when it's a child or when it's a brother and sister, we, people we feel like we're far too young, or even our parents, you know, uh, you know, some of our parents, 50, 60, like, obviously, we feel like there's more time they should have here. So when God chooses to do something unique, um, or when God chooses to take someone home that we feel like he's taking them home earlier than they should, man, it's it, it can be difficult to not harbor bitterness mm. in your heart towards the Lord. It can be hard and difficult that in God's sovereignty and since he's in control to say you could have done something about this and you didn't for whatever reason you could have, but you didn't. And that's a difficult conversation to navigate, you know. Um, and so as we, as we walk through that, but what I do know is that even no matter what, now, it may not be a death. Maybe you lost the, the career you fought for for 40 years and all of a sudden it just ends out of nowhere and you got to go find some new job or maybe, you know, you became licensed as an attorney and, and things didn't go your way and, and now you got to go do something else or maybe, you know, whatever, like whatever it is, maybe your, maybe your kid didn't pass away. Maybe, or maybe, you know, maybe your sister didn't pass, but they got in a car accident and now they're paralyzed or like things happen in life. And when, what God, his ultimate goal in everything. So it's not that it, God c- constantly creates trauma for this. God's constant desire for all of us is that we would draw closer to him. So sometimes he'll allow difficult and painful circumstances to encounter our life so that we lean closer to him rather than further away. Yeah. This quote by Russ Ramsey uh, says, if my affliction was a severe mercy to awaken in me my need of God, then it is a wise gift from a loving hand. And uh, that there's actually a whole article and um, we'll put the link to the article in the notes for this podcast by Russ Ramsey, uh, where he used this and he was, he was talking about the God that broke my heart and man, honestly, like that article changed my whole life. Like, you know, I read that article probably three years ago. It was just when JB was sick, but man, navigating, like reading that was just like, because, because, uh, if any, if I learned anything navigating my own personal situation, you know, is that man I need God so much today. I need him so I need him so much more today. And I even think about it like going back to the father thing. I think about when I'm when I'm learning something new or or when I when I'm building something. Pastor Dan is a phenomenal craftsman. Yeah. Builds he can build anything. I think about sometimes where I'm building something and I'm trying to figure something out and I just call him and I'm like, "Hey, what you know, I'm trying to do this. What do you think is right?" And he goes, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you need to do is Blah, blah, blah. He just kind of walks you through it, you know? And I, and I, and I think that that's what God is looking for out of us when we go through these circumstances is he's, he's looking for us to go, God, I don't know if I can get through. Like, I don't know if I can get through today. I don't know if I can, he's not upset when we feel like we've hit a wall and we can't get any further. He actually kind of, he, he's kind of hoping that we end up coming to him with our circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel like there's a lot of believers that, if they have to go to God for help, it's almost shameful. Like, God, I can't believe I'm coming to you with this, but yeah. if you could really do this, <laughs> and it's God's like, no, 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 like I'm a father. Like I, I, I wait for the day, I wait for the days and the moments that you, 
you come to me and ask me to help you with something. Exactly. You know, so that, uh, that's good. So I think that if it's a if if it's a severe mercy to awaken me of my need of him, it's a wise gift from a loving hand. And we use the story of Job to talk about this. And long story short, you know, Job thirty eight, God says, "Where were you?" You know, Job's upset at God. His kids have passed away. All of his animals are got have died. Pretty much everything that in his life that helps create value uh, is gone. He lost it all. Yeah, everything. And so he's complaining to God. God, how could you? Why would you? And, and honestly, even reading Job 1, God says he's honorable. Like God says he's honorable, which means he's a good guy. So why, what, why should he have to endure this? Well, based on the scriptures, he endured the pain he endured because he was honorable enough that God believed he could endure it. Sometimes what we go through isn't that God hates us, it's that he believes in us. <laughs> so yeah. so then after Job's complaining, God essentially says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Why are you darkening my counsel with words without knowledge? In other words, you don't know what you're talking about. I get that you're hurting. I know you're going through some rough patches right now, but you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've got this all worked out. Sit down. <laughs> yeah because he I, I love like i love i wish i wish like some of these i almost wish there was like a hood version of the bible where he says dress for action like a man where god be like yo try me <laughs> like, you know, like if you got something to say stand up and say it you know what i mean like yeah, say what you chest say what you chest <laughs> <laughs> so but uh yeah in job 38 1 through 4 man god's pretty uh he's pretty clear like where were you like i i spoke the sun moon and stars in a place it, the vapor of my breath you know like the song says and the vapor of my breath the planets were formed like man that's yeah it's powerful and uh man i encourage you guys to check out the song uh, so will I by Hillsong. There's a few other people that do it now, but uh, powerful. Anyway, so then that takes us to the third one: that there's blessings in belonging. Yep. There's blessings in belonging. And Ephesians two thirteen. Justin, what has it got there? Ephesians two thirteen. But now you belong to Christ Jesus. At one time you were far away from God. Now you have been brought close to Him. Christ did this for you when He gave His blood on the cross. That's right. He did it when He gave His blood on the cross and Psalm 139, 17 through 18. Justin, what does that one say? Yeah, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. That's right. And so we see, based on both of those, that, man, God, through Jesus, brought us close to him. And then he has, man, he continually thinks about us. Like we are on his mind. And that in each one of us, there has to be a desire to belong and be close to the Lord. So there's strength in our surrender. There is freedom in our forgiveness. And there's blessings in our belonging. And so we gave you, on the way out, we gave you four daily self-talks. Daily self-talks. These are things that you should do every day. But particularly when you start to feel the kind of that weight, that cloud, that I don't know if God loves me. I don't know if he's for me. I don't know, uh, like whatever the case may be. I kind of do these every day. Um, I actually, I roll all of these into one prayer. So like the whole thing kind of, uh, rolls into one prayer for me. Uh, and it's something I just kind of declare every morning. And I think it just helps, man. It helps put everything into perspective in regards to how we see God. Um, so the first one in our daily self talks, Justin, what you got? First is remember your relationship. Remember your relationship. And so, and so we re- we remember our relationship with the Lord, how He sees us, right? So we we go back to the scriptures above, like we're children of God. That's what we are, um, you know. That He is for us, that He is our Father, and so we remember our relationship with Him. Then next, we apply uh, our acceptance. Apply your acceptance. Yep. And for this, uh, it's it's really overcoming the idea that you don't have to work to be accepted. You already are accepted. Um, and did you know in the state of Florida, Justin, and listeners out there, and it may be the same way in other states, um, and it was actually it's actually this way when the Jewish law was written. So it was it's pretty cool um, that when the Bible was written, and they talk about the spirit of adoption. Right. So the Jewish law was this way. And it's also this way in the United States, at least in Florida. If you are adopted into a family, you cannot be removed from the will. Did you know that? Mm -mm. So if you're adopted, if you're legally adopted, 
you cannot remove your adopted children from your will. In other words, they get the benefits of being in the family for the rest of their life, no matter what, and they can't be removed. You can remove your natural children from your will, but you can't remove your adopted children from your will. Interesting. So I do find it interesting that our position with God is that of adoption. And since we are adopted, we cannot lose. We don't have to fight to be accepted. Like God accepts us right where we are. So we apply our acceptance. Number three. Number three is replace your rejection. Replace your rejection. So when the enemy comes against you with with all the reasons why God can't, doesn't, won't, uh, love you, be there for you, care for you, etc. Uh, when that happens, man, you replace your rejection and then you present your position. position. Present your position. Going back to what we were talking about, I'm a child of God. And, and so you just declare that to yourself. You declare it over yourself. Everything that the Lord has for me is for me and no one can take it away. Uh, everything that God wants me to be, I can be and no one can step into that. So we, we continue to put that in front uh, and present our position both to ourself because it's our own thoughts, but also to the enemy and declare it over the thoughts that he puts into our mind. And so we remember your relationship, apply your acceptance, replace your rejection and present your position. Why? Because we're children of God. So yes, we I don't are. know why I said that like I was British, but we are children <laughs> of God. And uh, so, yeah. Good times, guys. So we wrapped up the Thought Attack series. Thank you for tuning in with us for uh, another podcast and part six of our Thought Attack series, Father Issues. Justin, tell them, tell them where they can find more on the church. Yep, transformationchurch.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. Yep. So make sure, hey, if you guys have a second, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review. Yep. Uh, give us a, a review. Share this on social media. And don't forget, if you want to get these automatically, hit subscribe. And totally. you'll get the new ones every week. Right now, we're dropping two a week, the sermon and the follow-up. So feel free to jump in. We got some goodies coming up for you guys very, very soon. If you have any yes. questions, feel free to reach out to us on email. Uh, and Twitter. But uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you guys next week for the kickoff of our new series, Authentic Flourishing. See you guys. Later. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.